You're now listening to the Thousand Story Podcast, presented by Thousand Story. Welcome to the Thousand Story Podcast. We are your hosts, Najee. And Luis. And today... <laughs> such a crack in my voice. We're talking about Ubering everywhere. What does that mean? Yes. Well, basically, the daily grind that, you know, people are in mid-transition for from going from part-time music to full-time music are in. Uh, so a lot of freelancers, a lot of us are mm. basically, you know, picking up odd-end jobs or doing things that kind of allow us more free time yes. to work on a craft. Yes. But at the same time, you know, give us, you know, so we can eat, you know, <laughs> basic job stuff. Um, yes. But so we have are, shelter, food, and it, clothes. Precisely. So what are some of the uh, trials and tribulations that we've gone through as creatives doing the part-time thing ourselves or people that are, you know, someone who has done it in my case, yeah. um, you know, what, what do we, how do you go through that? How do you transition into being a full-time creative? Yes. Um, and, you know, some things we, we're basically going to be talking about some things you can do to kind of make the transition smoother, um, you know, just so you kind of help you out. <laughs> <laughs> Those yeah. are helpful tips. Yeah. So we'll start with the first one here. Um, basically, you know, we, let's start from the beginning, right? You know, so us being creatives, us having to, you know, have this drive to make stuff, but we don't have enough time to do it. You know, we, we still have to actually eat and, and actually support ourselves. Because yeah. um, that's a crazy thing, because, like, you're basically doing two jobs at one time. Yes. Because you're building up your business essentially as, exactly. as an entrepreneur because it's you know it's art you're making money off of it it's your yep, business yep. it's your business right uh and on top of that while making virtually no money with mm -hmm. that you still have to eat <laughs> the conundrum <laughs> and so How it do is you do that <laughs> so for yeah so for me um when i was in this conundrum uh <laughs> basically I had to, you know, figure out, I kind of had to prioritize. I, re I had to look at my priorities and figure out what I actually wanted out of music, out of my job, out of my life, really. You know, so I had to, I had to look at why I wanted to create so badly and was it important enough to, you know, try and supplement my income or replace it altogether with that creativity or was it something that I could just keep as a hobby, you know, and actually making that distinction first off is probably the most critical because you don't want to be wasting time. You know, you don't want to be putting effort into something you realistically don't actually want to do professionally yeah. because it's very different going from hobbyism to professionalism yes. in anything, yes. but especially in the creative realm because one, it's just a whole different um, responsibility that comes with it being professional. Yeah, I mean, you you're your own boss. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that and you're, once you actually put content out um, under the guise of being professional, mm. 
that represents a whole, you have to actually, you know, be credible. You have to yes. put out quality content. Whereas before when it was just a hobby, you know, maybe you could put out just crap and, and that'd be okay because yeah. it's just whatever. But yeah. if you actually want to gain a reputation and gain clientele base, if you want to actually make a name for yourself, you have to be, you have to elevate your game. Yeah. And that's an important distinction. It's like going from one stage of a relationship to the next. It's it's a very... It's one of those interesting things because like it also changes like the people that you end up collaborating with too. Yes. Which is... Yes, it does. A topic absolutely. for another time. Another day. <laughs> Collabs. We'll yeah. get into that. But yes, absolutely. Your entire mindset has to change once you go from hobbyism up to professionalism. Yes. So once you make that distinction, then it's like, okay, I really want to do this. So I still need to eat and I don't really have a means to create and make money off of that yet. So how do I supplement my, my income so I can kind of work as much as I can on the craft mm -hmm. and then... You know, do you know? Still yeah. eat. Uh, you know, that's that's where we get the part time jobs, the Ubering, um, and and it's cool because like nowadays we we have a lot of options. I guess millennials because like Ubering and lifting mm -hmm. are two really really good ways to supplement income when you may be like cutting hours somewhere else. Right. You know, I I would never recommend to just to just Uber. Right. Because uh, from your own experience, from my own experience, because I did that and it was uh, it ate up so much of my time. Mm -hmm. um, and on top of that, uh, I don't know if some people aren't aware who haven't Ubered before, but they don't take taxes out. So right. that's something that you have to do on your own because you're basically self-employed as an Uber driver. Yes, you are. Uh, so uh, shout out to QuickBooks. QuickBooks. Self-employed app. Just saying. The juice. Yeah. Y'all should get that if you are self-employed. This isn't even an ad, like, like no, no joke. Like, it's like, just like. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> because if you do Uber and Lyft, uh, that app will count your miles, which is incredible because you want to be able to write stuff off. Uh, like, I don't know, putting money into your car, gas, things that you use for your business. Maintenance. Uh, maintenance. Exactly. Upgrades, Oil changes. Anything. Anything. Um but anyway, yeah, so I, I was doing it for a while, like, just straight, like, full-time. And, I mean, it was cool to be like, oh, I made, like, $1,000 in a week. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, now I'm good for the month. But wait, I didn't really make $1,000 because of all the money that I spent on gas, all the money that I spent doing all this stuff. That's why I do not recommend using, just. yeah, Uber and, and Lyft as, as your sole main source of income. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't either. You know, b besides the time that it takes to earn that amount of income, yes. then you have the deductions that come from taxes if you're actually properly handling your business, which is a which, whole other thing. Which most people aren't. Most yeah. people aren't. So you if know? you get audited, uh, <laughs> fuck, good luck. Good luck. <laughs> um, you know, and that's a whole other conversation, figuring out how to run a business. That is an entirely different podcast. Yes. But you know, it, it's these are the little things that you have to take into account before you even start the whole venture into mm -hmm. going full time. You have to understand that it is a business. Yes. So as such, you need to figure out while you're trying to supplement things, one, how you can allocate time to one, your craft, obviously, but two, educating yourself on what it means to be a self-employed person, what it means to be full time in, in that self-employment and how to navigate the, the murky waters of taxes and, yes. and and LLCs and and making sure everything's, you know, being accountable and, you know, making sure that everybody is accounted for as far as you know, invoicing or, you know, making sure mm -hmm. you're getting your pay, stuff pay, paid on time or, you know, mm -hmm. getting 
content out to other people. These are all things you have to learn. These are all things you have to actually go and, and educate yourself on. So while you're on the job, while you're on the search for, you know, a job, or if you already have the job, your priorities at this stage, or this, this part of the, this stage should be figuring out how to educate yourself as much as possible. And then you can figure out from that point how much time you need to allocate to that. So if you already know a lot of this, cool. You you really don't need to allocate all that much time to mm. the education. It's always helpful to go and review and refresh, but you don't need to allocate too much time to that if you already know what you're getting into. And then you need to figure out how much time you actually need to practice what you, you know, what you want to do or to, to actually create and do the things that is, is going to be your second job. You need yes. to are essentially, like you were saying, have, you have two jobs. You have to allocate time to the second job if you want it to go any further. Mm-hmm. So choose jobs that allow you that flexibility or maybe give you like a, a specific dedicated time set that you know won't deviate. Yes. And then you can work around that. And then it's a matter of, okay, I know I have this time available. Mm-hmm. How you utilize that time is a whole other thing. Again, we'll get more into that another day. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's really important to find that distinction. So just to review, one, finding this the distinction of if it's a hobby or if it's professional um, and, you know, choosing which one you want that to be. Then educating yourself, if you choose the, the professional route, on the um, the business mindset, on the, on all the facets of running your yeah. own business and being your own business. And then, you know, implementing and finding what your own biological time is for, you know, th- that you have allocated aside. So if you have the job, if you have another job and you, you figured out you have that time mm-hmm. for that job, figuring out what time you need for your second job, your passion. Yes. Um, so once you get to that kind of point where you, you've figured out those three things, then the next part is, okay, so you, you kind of start having questions. You're like, okay, I, I've been doing this for a while now. I'm starting to gain some traction. Yeah, been and, working at Starbucks. I've right, been doing the Uber. You know, been I, doing all this stuff. And I got some commissions now. Like, I'm yeah. feeling good. I got, I got like five clients that are steadily giving me some work. But it's not enough yet. It's, but it's just, it's getting me there. Yeah. So a lot of people at this point start asking, you know, when do I know I should quit? Or how, how should I quit? Because a lot of yeah. people jump the gun. I've jumped the gun. Um, and <laughs> I've, I've tried to jump the gun before many times, but, um, I actually, funnily enough, I got fired from my job. So I kind of was forced to jump the gun. And that was the, the last time I actually needed the, a job, you know, cause I kind of put things in place before that. But, um, you know, how do you know when you should quit? Um, for me, I know when I, I basically kind of, I, I based it off of, um, some advice that I got from a few different people, you know, they're like random webinars and and just YouTube videos that I, I would peruse through. And the common thing among everything um, and anything creative was that you need what are called super fans or people that are always going to buy your stuff, are always going to support you 100%. Though, like true fans, not not the people that are like, that's dope and, and they'll share it. We're talking about real Marketable, like ride or die. Yeah, ride or die, monetize, monetized fans, people that will actively support you financially. And when you get to the point, either where you have, you know, they're the magic number for most people were saying like a thousand. I was going to say, fans. how many super fans does it take to like fully <laughs> to, sustain yourself? To fully sustain yourself. It's very subjective, depends on your field, obviously. Yeah. Um, but their their magic number was about a thousand. The thousand people who would always support and buy your stuff or buy your merch whenever you put it out, you would be fine, a hundred percent. You mm-hmm. could quit your job before that, or when you reach that point, and you'd be guaranteed set for life. Um, but you know that that was more than just just quitting your job. That was just being 
fully functional on the other side as well. Like that's a, a thousand fans. So my recommendation mm. for quitting the job, um, just just for that part of it, is once you see, you know, because in my, in my case, technically, I don't really have a thousand super fans yet. Mm. I'm full time. Once you see that your current income is completely replaced by the other job mm-hmm. and you feel like you by have your passion. Yeah, yeah, by your passion, then quit or, or at least get ready to quit and start cutting hours off. You know, you don't have to yeah. just quit cold turkey, but kind of, you know, kind of take it in steps and, and wean yourself off at that point when yeah. you can see, okay, I don't need or at least, you know, I, I can support myself fully with this one thing. Then you can allow yourself to start moving mm-hmm. away from the other job. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, the thousand super fans thing is like just for once you have the, the passion job fully, that's for like if you really want to thrive in that. If you want to feel like you are thriving, that's where th- a thousand super fans come in. But just for quitting or starting to quit, when you feel like your income is fully supplemented and you're not going to be stressed if yeah. you lose that other job or if something happens with like that's when you can start moving over. So moving over um, is a matter of, it's not just saying bye and then starting. <laughs> Again, all of this is preparation. <laughs> it's saving, you know, from the other job. You know, it's saving maybe $100 from every paycheck or $200 every paycheck and setting it aside for, you know, establishing the business and, yes. and registering content and documents. Um, and then, you know, g- giving yourself capital for that business um, and, you know, setting aside, uh, you know, a, a, kind of like a fallback. Yeah, because you need, you need, something to follow. I mean, there's going to be times where I I think while you're starting your new business where you're just not going to be as comfortable as you were when you had your full-time job. You're just not. It's just, yeah, it just happens. I I wasn't. I'm still not like comfortable. I'm just, I I would call myself content. Like I, I, or or, or this is, this is doable. (laughs) I can live with this currently. Where I'm at right now as a, as a full-time musician is that my income was fully um, replaced, but that's now at this present moment. Yeah, when yeah. when I was fired, uh, that was not the case. I was like, "Yeah, oh my god!" Like I had some income. I remember when that happened, and I <laughs> texted you immediately. And I was like, "Hey, um, you gonna be able to pay rent, dog?" Uh, yeah, I was like, <laughs> "I don't want to be mean, but are you <laughs> like, okay?" <you> good? <laughs> and that's a real thing, you know. That's yeah. that's terrifying because the thing is, I'd actually planned on quitting. Three months after that, the date, I, I just, it happened three months earlier. So there was, uh, luckily, I prepared and had set myself, uh, you know, set myself up a little savings and and got myself yeah. a little buffer zone so I could successfully make those three months. Yeah. And I was able to make the transition to where I started gaining enough income uh, from the passion side to be able to just fully sustain it. And most of my income, funnily enough, doesn't come from merch or from physical CD sales. It comes from streams, like literally people just playing my music on Spotify or Google Play or iTunes. That's wild. Um, and that's that's great. Mostly Spotify. Honestly, like 70 to 80% of it is Spotify. Um, and that's amazing. You know, that's that's crazy that we're in this day and age where yeah. you can do that. Yes. Um, but If you set yourself up correctly. If you set yourself yes. up correctly. You know, and luckily from the get-go, um, just because of the people that I've been involved with, like Monty and, and Selection, um, and how Monty runs things over there, you know, we've, from just from the base up, I've established my business system and my business, uh, just the way I operate mm. to be successful and to kind of set myself up for the long term um, as an independent artist. 
And now I'm able to successfully transition over to that. I'm not waiting on a label to pay me out every six months or every yeah. quarter. Uh, you know, I get paid monthly via STEM. You know, I get, I, I'm able to actually organize my taxes via <laughs> Intuit QuickBooks. And, you know, th- mm-hmm. these are things that I'd established mm-hmm. while I was working. Yeah. Way before yeah. I got, you know, qu- fired. I was already prepared mentally. Because we said it before. I mean, like the moment that you start your business, you are in charge of every facet Everything. of your business. So you have to be aware that, like before you even transition into or think about quitting, you know, you have mm-hmm. to realize, okay, what does it actually take to run a business? Oh, I have to do my own accounting. Oh, I have to do my own taxes. Oh, I have to, you know, all of these things that as an artist, most of the times you just don't think about because you're just too busy creating art, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah, yep. So. And that is the thing that's most disappointing that I really want to start changing or want mm. people to change is that us as artists yes. really have to understand that, you know, if you want to succeed as an artist, you have to succeed as a businessman. As a businessman, yeah. And that is Or just, woman, businesswoman. Or business, business woman, person. Business, business person. person. Yes. Um, and that's really an important, uh, like, distinction. Like, you have to understand, artists create, yes. But yes. we have this habit of feeling like if we have to do business then it's no longer creativity or it's no Exactly. Longer. That it's like not fun anymore. It's and like, like, no. Uh, no. <laughs> it's like the most fun because you're making your own money with like your you're own doing shit. it. Like it's amazing. <laughs> and, yeah. and we have to start opening ourselves up yes. to being business people. Yes. It's not a scary thing. No. It, it's confusing at first, but it's not a thousand scary percent. Thing. I feel it. <laughs> I mean, I hate it. I, I really do. I, right. I don't like it. I don't like thinking about money. I don't like thinking about accounting. But in this day and age, if it's something that I really, really want to do, as much as I'd like to just be like, oh, it's just art for art's sake. Like, yeah, nah. that's not going to put food on my table. Like, <laughs> that's not going to put a roof over my head. So yeah. if you have a kid, you know, that's not going to feed them. That's exactly. Not, you know, that's, that's not going to get their shots. That's, exactly. that's not going to give them insurance. Like, these are things you have to think about. And even insurance, you yes. know, like, how do you get that in place? So for myself, you know, I happen to be in an income bracket and in a state where I'm able to afford Medicaid or <laughs> I'm given Medicaid. But I'm already transitioning. Like, when I had my previous job, I had employer-provided uh, right. Medicare. Of course. Um, and then, you know, the transition from going to that to mm-hmm. lesser income, I had to be provided by uh, Medicaid by the state. Yes. But I'm already plotting and planning and, and have uh, things and plans. So when I get to a certain income bracket, then I can afford Medicare mm-hmm. from my you know from my own or from the the marketplace. That's something that most people don't even have in our our realm. You mm-hmm. know, as, as mm-hmm. independent artists, we don't. A lot we of don't. us don't even have that. And you have yeah. to look at like how many resources are available for us. Like, it, there's no shame in taking what's available for you, you know, for help for you, and yeah. then you know using that to get to where you want to, so you don't need the help any longer. Yeah. It's fine. Um, and you know, just looking at that, looking at realistically what you're making, looking at how to how to make more so you yeah. don't have to do those things that make you feel like oh this is this kind of gross or like I feel terrible yeah. you know it's it's all a lot about of, a lot of companies even help though like like uh the Ubers and Lyfts for example yeah. like they will send they send me emails like all the time they're like hey you don't have healthcare like you should look at this program they will help you right you know and it's just it's just real because they don't provide it. They do you not. Know? You're self-employed, so you got to do it yourself. Contractor. How do you do that? Yeah. You know, so these are the things you have to think about. When you decide to quit, you have to look at everything. How do you supplement your current life 
over there. Mm-hmm. Everything, yes. you know. And and once you can feasibly say, I know exactly what's going to happen, or maybe I have a plan of how I'm going to attack things that may happen, mm. right? Then you can start weaning and transitioning over to that point. Yes. So it, that kind of leads into the third point. You know, once you're there and you're sustaining, once you're at that point where you're fully in it, like you're you're free, you're just freelancer mm-hmm. full time. How do you sustain that? How do you get, you know keep the clientele interested? How you, and that is a whole again very subjective thing, dependent on the field, yes, dependent on the market that you're in, but. Typically, it's just keeping yourself disciplined, mm. and that's where scheduling things come in. You know, you don't—it's it's really easy to, you know, go from being on a 9-to-5 and having a rigid schedule and then having to be there, and if you're not, you're fired, and then going to, you know, freelancer where you make your own schedule and then just slacking off. It's, yeah. so, it's so easy to do that, yeah. and it's, it's important— to make your own schedule. It's important to keep things consistent and disciplined so you can actually continually sustain yourself and, and keep that and keep your passion going. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that discipline, I think, is the, pretty much the last step. Once you keep it, just keep it and yeah. keep yourself disciplined. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that a line in, uh, <laughs> in To Pimp a Butterfly? Is it? I think that's a line that Dr. Dre says. Huh. He said, hey, you remember when you came to my mansion? You were like, how do I get that? He's like, the easy part's getting it. The hardest part's keeping it or something Ooh. like that. <laughs> bars. I was like, bars. Real words, Dr. Dre. Real words. But the yeah. doctor said that. Doctor said it. Doctor prescribed. Doctor prescribed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. I mean, it's real, though, because I think it, it is true, though, because the hardest part is really keeping your head above water, mm. you know? And I mean, no, you know. It's going to be, you know, there are going to be highs and lows, oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. obviously. You know, there's going to be points. That's why you like, set yourself up in the beginning before you just jump into it with with absolutely no know-how into, into, into what you're getting into and what you actually need to succeed, you know? You can't go in without any tools. Yeah, and in, in the case of music... You know, so it's like, okay, how do I, what, where do I learn from? Mm. What do I learn from? Mm-hmm. Fortunately, there aren't really a lot of resources that we know of or that are just kind of centralized for musicians. Yeah. And that is a problem. You know, yes. when we want to educate ourselves, we're like, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know how to make money. Yeah. Where do I make money there from? There are still so many things that I don't even know about. Right. And I'm already like, I don't, I don't want to say, I'm I'm setting myself up right. for a transition. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's... That's what we're working on now. That's what, um, that's, I guess that's our job as millennials. And as people um, that are independent artists, it's up to us to actually create the sources yes. or create the resources yes. and actually share the information, you know, not hog it, not just be yeah. like, you know, you get your own, I got mine. Like, it's yeah. up to us to create these wells or these wells of <laughs> information um, that provide us the wealth that we want. Uh, you know, as far yeah. as mental wealth, you know, financial health and, and financial wealth, obviously. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's important for us to actually share these things. Um, so, you know, <laughs> as far as resources for musicians, there, there are plenty. Um, I know for a fact, one thing you can start with is looking up what a PRO is, which is a performance rights organization. I had no idea what it was. Right. Most, yeah. like, I, I can guarantee you Thought nine out of ten artists that I've spoken to don't know what that even is. Yeah. They're like, what is that dog? And what that is, is basically, the, that's one type of royalty on the compositional side. As I brief, We briefly covered compositional stuff at the beginning of the podcast. Episode one. Um, but that's one type of royalty 
on the competition. It's a performance royalty. And not perform, I mean, yes, performance in the context of being in a live show. Technically, you're owed a royalty from the venue if you perform your song in their venue live. <laughs> Technically, they owe you that. That's cool. Um, and sometimes they'll pay it if they're aware of that. Sometimes, like the more established venues obviously will, but they'll pay it not directly to you. They'll pay it in the form of a blanket license, which basically means that they pay BMI or whatever pro that they want to a huge chunk of money up front. And then they say, okay, any of the artists that play in your venue, it's basically covered with this blanket license, so you don't have to pay them royalties individually. Um, So we, as as artists, get paid performance royalties live, but also via terrestrial radio. So what does that mean? It means, like, you know, radio in your car, FM, AM, terrestrial, like, (laughs) Earth-related radio. Um, And that is different from digital radio, like satellite FM or Sirius FM, those are a different royalty. That's on the sound exchange side, which is a whole other thing. But start with that. Wild. Start with PROs oh and, and how they give us income. Yeah. And then you can kind of delve into the other aspects of royalties. Like we were talking about mechanical royalties. Yeah. And the history of that is just it's insane wild. to me. It's, it's it was literally wild. derived from a mechanical piece of machinery. Yeah. Yeah. That got printed out or got physically, you know, in piano rolls. Right, for the piano rolls. Yeah. That, that's crazy. That's wild. And there's a lot of antiquated um, terminology and there's a lot of antiquated, you know, law against, uh, protecting us. But we don't actually know what it means or yeah. how it protects us yeah. or why it protects us. Because or, there's no information out there for no, new artists. It's really hard to no find No idea. It. So that's my task to you. You know, as the listener, as even just a, a casual listener, yes. Um, if you're wondering how musicians make money, we make money from obviously active income like mm-hmm. live mm-hmm. touring and merch and passive income such as royalties. Yes. And a bunch of us don't know how to make half of our income. Yeah. So that's the task. I think it goes the same for like even graphic designers or like artists such as that because uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's not similar, but like contracts are everything. scary. And terrifying, but they're everything. They are, though. Everything. Read contracts. Know that everything is negotiable. Everything is negotiable. Yes. You don't have to take a million dollars up front. You don't have to take $10,000 up front. You can do whatever mm-hmm. you want. Everything is negotiable. Yeah. And again, we can go, we can go for hours <laughs> for on days this. days with that. But just to wrap everything up in review, when you're starting or when you're getting ready to transition or you're mid-transition in any creative field, just remember those steps. You know, Figure out hobbyism versus professionalism. Yes. Educate yourself at that point. Make a plan and then keep yourself to that plan. Yeah. Discipline yourself to keep yourself educated and keep yourself practicing. Just say part of that plan too is how much do you really need for you to just to live? Yeah. You know, how much money Budget do you that need? Out. Yeah, exactly. Look at it. Observe it. Observe everything about your life and th- break it down and figure out how you can supplement that with your yes. passion. And then once you have that mental pregame established, mm. then start making the transition over. Yeah. And then you're not even, don't just jump in cold turkey if you can help it. Slowly transition so you can learn some of the, you know, just get some trial and error yeah. going. Figure out what's what's going on. Figure out what works for you, mm-hmm. what doesn't work for mm-hmm. you. And you will be okay. Because you're on your own at that point. Yeah. That's all you. And the team that you build. And the team. Should you you decide to build a team. (laughs) Which you should. (laughs) (laughs) So hopefully that was a bit helpful for you guys. You know, we're looking to kind of make this second phase, if you will, of the the podcast, uh, you know, 
educational, yeah. yes, but you know, kind of more concise and informative, mm. and and hopefully you got casual listeners learn yes. something new, but especially creatives learn something new and learn something about how to make themselves mm. better and their business better. So, also, shout out to the people who listened to all eight episodes. Yeah, y'all last are real. Because y'all are real. Damn, I already know some people. Shot me some messages that were talking that that already Damn. listened to it, and I was like, I like "Yo, it. that's wild! Thank you, <laughs> <laughs> I love you." Um, and speaking of which, if you guys want to support, um, you don't need to support monetarily. Literally, just write a review or just like, yeah. like on iTunes, on Google Play, on, like anywhere. Just it, that is what gets the podcast further and grows the audience. Yeah. It's reviews and getting it in the, it higher up in the marketplace and getting a bigger audience. Um, yeah. That will allow us to grow. Share with your friends. Experience. Share. Your families, your dog. You know, if you don't like podcasts, your, your cat, cat might like it. You know? <laughs> we said cat at the same we time. Oh, uh, yeah. Or just put it on. <laughs> <laughs> that too. So thank you for listening. And we shall see you next week. Uh, what is next week's podcast? So next week, we're talking about the 10 different paths. Mm-hmm. What is that? It's all about uh, different business people or different public figures or the paths that they took and where they were when they were 25 years old and fucking up still. <laughs> and if you have any questions for us, hit us up on the site at thousandstory.co slash contact. Um, and, or you can reach us on Twitter or Instagram at thousandstory underscore. That is an actual underscore, not the word underscore. Um, and then if you want to hit me or Louise up, you know, my handles are at Mr. Najee Boy at M-R-N-A-J-I-B-O-Y. And I go by at L Pontillo. That's L-P-O-N-T-I-L-L-O on Instagram. And at Luis Pontillo, that's L-U-I-S-P-O-N-T-I-L-O on Twitter. So we'll see you next time, ladies and gents and non-binary fellow people. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. My pointer.